Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Welcome to another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. And I am super jacked for this guest on this episode. And what's really exciting is I'm, I'm just going to come out right away and be vulnerable uh, before I even have her introduce herself, which is maybe maybe I'm being a little rude, but not let her introduce herself first. But this, she's just released a book. And I'm going to keep her name a mystery here for another 45 seconds. And I'm going to be honest in that it is the first education book in quite some time that I really like felt appreciate appreciation for the work. And it actually like helped me think about moving my practice. And I'm not saying those words just to be nice. I truly mean that. Um, I feel, and sometimes I can be a little cranky and I don't know, we're recording this on a Friday. So maybe it's that, but I feel like I've read a lot of education books lately that um, just they're they're good and intent and, and purpose and the idea behind it. But sometimes I'm I'm left thinking, but what am I gonna do with that? And this was the first time in a long time where I was like, man, I actually have like things I can tangibly do. It made me recalibrate some of my own practices. And so um, this is why I'm super excited to have this conversation. And I'm talking about Jessica Vance and I'm in particular, talking about her book, Leading with a Lens of Inquiry, Cultivating Conditions for Curiosity, Empowering Agency. Um, and so um, I'm, like I've said already five times, I'm like almost kind of like fanboying here a little bit. I'm super jacked to have this conversation. So Jessica, I know you've got a book. I know you've done a ton of things. But for those who don't know who you are, who are you? What do you do? What do you got going much, Aaron, for inviting me today. Um, it's so great to connect with inquiry leaders such as yourself who are really clearly passionate about the things that they do. Um, my name is Jessica Vance. Um, my title on my campus is Enrichment and Environment Coordinator, which um, is just a really great way for me to be able to connect with both student learners and really tuning in to the things that they're interested in and passionate about and being able to bring programming and support teachers in supporting what that looks like inside of their classroom. We back up to a um, nature preserve. And so outdoor learning and place-based learning is a huge part of our philosophy, which of course then connects to inquiry and the work that I get to do with leaders and um, schools and educators around the world is coaching them towards leading with that lens and what does it look like to lead with a lens of inquiry and how do we work within the systems that we have put in place but um, make space to nurture schools and places of inquiry and a mindset that is able to be able to um, do just that. So I um, work at a school in Austin, Texas, and then get to do some consulting work on the side to be able to connect my practice and what's really happening in my role as a leader with other leaders around the world and being able to have that tangible experience and to share the celebrations and the challenges with those that I'm consulting and working with has been this surprising um, gift, really, um, that I didn't anticipate when I jumped into consulting. I love uh, coaching, and I'm really passionate about supporting adult learners and helping them grow. And 
I thought that's all that I was going to do with the book. Um, and then and what I found was that the same challenges um, that I'm facing on my campus are what other leaders and educators are facing too. And so what better way to grow our PLN and connect our worlds by sharing what those challenges are, problem solving together, and really being able to embody the dispositions of an inquiry leader for us to be able to lean into that um, more into our practice. So it's basically a dream come true, but one I also never knew that I wanted. I never knew that I was going to be authoring a book. It was not on my list of must-dos, um, but through some critical friends and thought partners kind of kept nudging me towards that way. And so you have in your hands um, the book, Leading with the Lens of Inquiry. I love it. There's, oh man, there's just so many things. Here I was thinking I had some really good questions and you're sitting there talking. I'm like, oh, I want to talk about that and talk about that. Yeah. You know, it is, it, man, as you're talking, it, it does sound like a, a sweet gig in the sense of like, I'm just thinking even about being a lifelong learner, whether we get to be, um, I should say, get to be, have the opportunities to be a consultant while also having our feet grounded in the work of the education system. Um, that that opportunity, right, to, to, to practice leading, supporting, guiding and, 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 I, I like to say leading the, your books on leading, and I and 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 I know that you know this. I preach to the choir, but like we're all leaders in, in in our own capacity. It doesn't always have to be a position title, but man, for you to be able then to work through that, and your book is is sharing your gifts. You know, in this case, literally with the world, but then to turn around and go out and and learn from others and and model like man, like you get to have people ask questions and maybe push back and share their story. And as, as you were saying that, I'm thinking like, man, that, that is one of the, the, what a crucial ingredient missing for so many educators. And I know we have our, our, our PLNs and our PLCs and stuff within our, our districts and buildings sometimes, but there's another element of being able to connect or resonate with, with people who like you just never thought about talking with, you know, anyways, I'm, I'm, getting excited about this utopian world education where educators could could have those opportunities, right? Like, hey, let me show you something I'm cool I'm doing and, you know, um, not just always be a participant like in a, at, at a conference if you're even lucky to get out to one. Um, but yeah, go, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say, you know, one of the dispositions of an inquiry leader is being in, intentionally playful. And so that is, what's really great about connecting our worlds is how can we consider the things that are happening within our practice and connect with others um, outside of ourselves. Of course, you're active on social media and Twitter. And so you know the power of a PLN in that way. And so I love to think about it in that, um, with that lens. Um, and I know you're right. Teachers don't see themselves as leaders, which is really um, because of the systems tell them that they're not. And right. I only know how to lead officially, air quote, in this way because of what I did inside of the classroom, but it was because there was a leader who gave me space to do so and believed in me the same way that we believe in our students in the classroom. And so um, I get to do what I do in this leadership role, and I know that I get to impact more students because of it. Um, and so uh, to be able to have my boots on the ground, so to speak, is really something that I am steadfast in and and really um, adamant about um, because I want to be connected to my learners here and the things that we're engaged in on my campus are different challenges than others are engaged in in other places 
And um, when I was sharing with my learners this week, what is something that I'm working on um, or challenged by, one of the things that I shared with them is continuously being mindful about your differentiated needs as learners as we're continuing to grow as a campus. And um, the only way that I'm able to do that is when I'm connected to my learners, but also when I give myself moments to stop and to pause. That's why I did so much inside of the book, because that's my brain. That's where it goes, is I really believe in giving ourselves that space to stop and pause and make those mindful movements as leaders, as educators, but really because it also helps us be better people. (laughs) Um, That's Yeah, that's the power of an inquiry practice is that you have to be present in the very moment. And if, um, you know, we can do anything for ourselves, it's to really take care of ourselves in that way. And a stop and pause moment could be a longer stretch of time that we have at the end of the day, but it also could just be a few moments that we just give ourselves a question or uh, a couple of deep breaths to really kind of um, evaluate and analyze or maybe connect with others to reground ourselves and be able to show up as our best selves. Yeah, I love that. And I, I, I want you to talk a little bit more about not just the idea of pause, but you've said the word space now a couple of times and I am obsessed with this idea of space in a lot of avenues. I mean, I have a NASA project, so I guess there's space in that way. I love learning space design, but also like this, this headspace, physical space, emotional space. And as you were talking about pausing and thinking about leadership, I would say I've yet to come across too many leaders that don't believe in this type of work. I've, I've not come across too many leaders that are not saying all the right things. And I don't believe that those same leaders are intentionally trying to squander that from their educators and people that they support because they know that they need it to be successful. And yet it still gets lost in translation. And I'm not finger pointing. I don't want to put blame on leaders. I don't want to put blame on anyone. But there is a disconnect that happens. And what I'm seeing is what happens there is a frustration point. And when we get to those negative emotions, it's it's hard to be vulnerable, right? And then it's hard to move forward. So if I'm getting time to pause to really like take that time to own it um, and to take that time to say, hey, here are my needs where I'm at as a professional learner because that's hard to come forth and say I don't know how I don't I don't know how to do these things because there's also this invisible expectation right that as educators or as as leaders as well that we should know everything even though we're told a million times we don't have to that pressure still exists so like as you are out working and and you're practicing the craft and you're working with other people that are all in these these spaces you know how do we you had a quote in the book from Adam Grant or uh, a phrase of being confidently humble. Um, and how do we recalibrate our brain, right? To this idea of, of, of unlearning, which you talk about quite a bit too, where it's like, man, am I truly supporting the words that I say? Because I think people think they are. And I don't think they're going, I'm going to say it. And then I'm going I'm to put this together here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to squash the dreams because no one wants that. But yet the stories are told over and over again, no matter where you go. Um, Like, what do you what what do you find or what are your? I mean, that's a you figure out that solution. You're writing more than a book. You're going to be writing like a series and you're going to. But I mean, I'll let you tackle that. However, that's kind of a heavy, heavy uh, lift there. There's a lot 
within that question, Erin, and it's actually a lot of the work that I do in regards to coaching and working with leaders is unpacking what does that look like within our roles. So um, I think, you know, as you were sharing, it makes me think of the one of the sketches that it's in the book, um, the managerial versus inquiry leader sketch. And it's specifically on a continuum because there's times where we need to be managers and we need to make sure that our um, learners are safe and there's like safety standards that we have, or we need to make sure we turn in attendance in time. Or if you are a school leader, you have things coming from your district that are maybe a campus improvement plan or some other district initiative that you is a mandate. But I really love the idea of that continuum that even though we are managers at time because we have to be, there's still always room or space, if you will, for us to lead with a little bit more curiosity, to be a little bit more playful, to approach the task that's before us with a lens of inquiry um, so that we're modeling the model the same way and the parallels for our teachers in the classroom. There's standards and there's curriculum that they have to teach, but how they teach it is up to them. And that's where inquiry lives, right? And so I love to consider that parallel in regards to leadership of a school is that there's the things that we have to do. I have district mandates for my role and as does my principal, but are there ways that I can approach it that show my learners that I'm curious about what it is that we're going to unpack together or that give them space to have a voice in which um, we can co-construct something together? So, um, you know, maybe there's some new curriculum that your district is putting forth? Um, Is there a way for you to pair it with something that evokes something else that you value as a school? Um, Most recently, we were having um, team meetings with all of our grade levels, and we were unpacking beginning of the year data, data that we had to collect. So it's a system that we're in. So instead of just giving the data, we stopped and we paused and we asked ourselves, I'm saying we as in leadership and uh, who were creating the agenda, um, how did we want our learners to feel when they left that session that day with us? And we knew we wanted them to be curious. We knew that we wanted to have have a growth mindset. We know that those two things are sometimes lacking when we look at traditional data. So how could we provoke and nudge our learners thinking in that way? So we started um, looking at data, but utilizing a QFT or the question formulation technique, which was a great way for us to model the model. We want our teachers to be embedding or thinking about their curriculum with a sense of curiosity. Of course, questions, you know, are something I'm a huge fan of. Um, And so we talked about where the QFT fit within the different types of inquiry. We went through some of the steps. They dug into their data. I paused them as we were generating questions, introduced a different uh, piece of data, and they got to make sense of it. We asked more questions. Um, and those of you who are familiar with um, the question formulation technique, you'll these stages probably sound pretty familiar. If you're not, I definitely, you have to go check um, um, them out. Um, it's definitely something that I uh, just make one change is the book that I read that I learned all about it. Um, and it was powerful because we had this collection of new data from our teachers, things that were really um, speaking to them as a group and what was really important to them. And we had them identify, okay, what are the things, what questions are you really curious to explore? And they lifted up 
things that we could have told them we had to do, but instead it was an opportunity for us to co-construct our next steps. Of course, as leaders, we can utilize questions or some different types of prompts to help our learners or stretch them in a different way. Um, but those became our next steps together and they were really meaningful. They still um, checked off our list, so to speak. Um, and it was still under the theme of something that we really value as a school. It's deeply rooted in inquiry and, and the uh, constructivist mindset. And so I always love to nudge leaders um, to consider um the structures that we have not be the limitations of where it is that we go. Just like we have our standards, those aren't the ceiling of where we take our kids, but we try to consider what are the barriers perhaps that we'll face in getting there and how can we scaffold um, space, again, if you will, for our learners in order to get there. And so, yeah, you're right. It's not like leaders say, I believe this and I'm going to go do something opposite, but the system gets you down. And unless you really have that connection to to your learners. You know, if if you are a leader and you're sitting behind your desk most of your day, or I'll ask you to maybe grab your calendar right now, where are you spending your time? If you're not spending a majority of your time with your learners, no wonder you're disconnected. Um, and I don't say that again as a finger pointing, but it's how we can make sense and respond to our learners when we're connected to them. Otherwise, we're going to get lost in that laundry list really easily. Um, and so how do we reground ourselves and be more mindful how with how we approach our roles and spend our time? Because we get to choose how we spend our time. We get to choose our mindset. We get to choose um, the way that we show up. And um, our values are evidenced in our actions to our learners. So again, another question that I'll pose is, what do your actions say about your values? And if you're not sure, then that's a stop and pause moment for you right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just thinking that idea back to what you said earlier to, to be present, right? You look at your time, like to be present in the, the murkiness of learning and being present is being there with your learners. And while we all have, you know, meetings and things we got, just sometimes there are those non-negotiables. We do have more time than what I, I think we think we do to be more present, to build that connection and, and, and to really kind of have our, our boots on the ground to really see what the landscape is, you know, and, as you were talking, I'm sitting there going, man, I feel like, am I like sharing my screen? Cause I've got my thought nuggets here off to the side and you're talking about standards, not being the ceiling. And it was something that I, that as you were talking, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is what I want to bring up because we talk about like the standards are the floor. Like these are like the non-negotiables, which you talk about it in your book and your other things too, that like, you know, like the standards are, are the what, you know, and those are the things, but how we go about doing that. Uh, we should have some some professional freedom. And my opinion, I don't have any proof on any of that, is that's where I think sometimes the disconnect starts to potentially happen because we try to control or manage the how yep. versus really understanding like our, our, what, what, what we want to make sure every kid has is a high quality education. We know that. No one's going to argue that. Here are the standards that we have. You know, but we also hire people to be professional and it doesn't mean we shouldn't come together and share best practices and share what's working and beg, borrow and steal from each other. But that flavor of we all have, I used to always, when I taught middle school, I always do a presentation like, what's your wow? Like, like, who are you? And I had a student 
a long time ago, we had a, a student voice group and I share this all the time because it still resonates with me on a daily basis. And we were talking about like for students to feel engaged in, in part of the work. And she's like, I'm tired of spending every 45 minutes in pastel prisons because mm. every classroom looks and feels the same. And so it got me thinking like, what's your wow? Like, who are you? Like, I'm, I'm a coffee chug. I'm like, I'm a nerd. I love coffee. And so I had like vinyl records, you know, and I think about, but the next teacher, if she's in the flowers and, and not that it's just about decoration, but like, what's your vibe and energy and bring that expertise into the, into the things. Um, so I was just, you know, as you're, as you're talking about that, um, sometimes I feel like that's where some of the miscommunication can be. We, we, I don't think, again, it's on purpose, but like we start to like structure how we're all going to do something versus that understanding. I think it gets like confused or, or mixed together, maybe um, like the what and the how and, and unleashing more of the how for, for that personal expression to, to engage with, with the learners. As a, as a leader, you know, there's oftentimes um, my principal and I will reflect after um, a professional learning session and just just talk about how hard it was to let go and to, you know, know that our learners were going in a direction we didn't necessarily think that they should go in. Um, but what that in a sense is the data that we can use next time when we're meeting together and talking together or next time, you know, if I'm doing a go back or I'm, I'm circling back to a teacher, I can kind of lift up some of the different things. Not you went here and I didn't want you to, but um, that's where my learners are at. And that's what I think is hard to remember as a leader is that your teachers are professionals, but they're also learners. And if we always say that we need to meet where our learners are at in the classroom, how can we maintain that mindset with our adult learners as well? And again, it's like that ebb and flow of that continuum of like, where it is, do I kind of lean in and say, this is kind of what we're doing? And where do I also kind of nudge and, and allow a little bit more space? And to be comfortable with the ambiguity of inquiry is hard. It's really, really challenging because you don't know where the learning is going to take you. And while that's amazing, when you get to that place, that sorting phase is really uncomfortable because you don't know what's going to happen um, and you don't know what's going to come of it. And so um, I think that is probably the the barrier or the challenge for leaders and be like, well, how do I know that they're going to take us where we need to go because I have my district or my, you know, higher ups telling me that I need to have certain data or my students need to be performing in a certain way. Um, and so I think that the power of a critical friend and thought partner, I've already brought this up once. I know we've talked about a PLN, but having that other leader alongside of you to be able to bounce ideas with and, and to kind of reorient you, I think is really important. Um, you know, I love, I'm, I'm so fortunate to work with an amazing leader who, um, of course, has different um, tasks in her portfolio that I don't have, but being able to negotiate and talk with her of how we can continue to realign ourselves back towards the things that we value and what is our vision statement. It's this constant tug of war, constant tug of war. And, um, you know, she was just sharing me with me this week. It's really hard because she knows that there's amazing things happening and there's also this heavy weight of leading. And so she was just saying, you know, I really appreciate we have this working relationship with one another where we can kind of push back on each other in a way that's constructive and honors space of the other person. Um, 
And so, you know, if, if a leader is listening to this and doesn't have that critical friend, you know, try to find one, like, where can you find one and, and who couldn't be your people to, to help reorient you, um, along the way. Um, it's, it's definitely work, but well worth the effort in, in being mindful and, uh, thinking about that for sure. Yeah. We I was having a conversation with two educator friends about this, the idea of community and that same kind of concept, right? Where you got to have people where you can have those conversations where it's not always like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's good. Oh yeah, that's good. Like we can, you can nudge and and, and, and push back a little and ask questions and bring it in. But then when the, when it's over, you know, it's it's not personal. It's not walking out there going, well, Jessica doesn't like me. She didn't like my idea. You know, like it, like it, it's, it's, there's a, it takes time to build that, but like you also can't do this work alone. You, you you burn out and, or if you're like me, your brain spins at Mach 7 and you just, you know, you, you put your own self in a tailspin before you can get the thoughts out. So it's it, that that's so key. And it, it lends itself to one of the things when I was reading your book. So when I think inquiry, I mean, I get pretty excited and jacked. I love coffee. My title's STEM lead. I like to make things, you know, I'm just like, let's do, let's go. Yeah. You know, like this kind of like high flute energy. And, and while all that's, that's, that's great and it's important and it's a part of the learning, it's not everything. Um, you, you brought, this book felt like, like when I got done with it, like the word that came to mind was, was grace almost like a sense of peace. I mean, you keep talking about this pause and reflect. And I mean, this is my first time talking with you. Uh, you know, like you, you have a, it's just like Zen-like, but yet it doesn't mean that it's not just as powerful and probably some ways it's even more, more thought provoking and deeper than let's go do, you know? Um, and so I, 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 would, I, don't, I don't know how to phrase the question, but like, I think there's also like another misconception when we think about inquiry in the general sense there's also this this pressure i think too like that we got to be making we got to be doing we got to be because it stems everywhere like you know i mean stem can mean anything to anybody and yeah it's it's my jam but it's not it's not the answer to everything either and so what i really liked about your book was like it was just as much about what i'm after and, and like maybe my angle or my lane but it's a whole different different vibe and my my kids would probably throw up if I, i've said now vibe like three times acting like i'm cool but there was a whole different energy to it so i don't know how to phrase that question maybe it's just your response to that but it was something that really for me i walked away going i know that i have to be more intentional about building in reflection and like retrospection into the work not just let's keep going 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 and you know that concept. So I appreciate it, but I also didn't know like me word vomiting right there. If you had any thoughts that came to mind. Two things. One, I'm curious if in the um, beginning of the book, I asked the reader to set an intention and I'm wondering what intention you set for yourself, if you did. I did. And my intention was truly to be open-minded. And, and I say that because kind of at the very beginning, like I feel that I have I don't, not bitter because I'm pretty optimistic and I get, I love to just to go do the thing. But like, I feel like I've been reading like the same old thing. I hear the same old thing and it's good, but it, it, it doesn't move 
people into action. It's like a good reminder, like, oh yeah. And like, so I was, when I, I was excited, I saw inquiry and I was jacked. So I was like, I want to go into it. And, but I mean, the book, I don't think even without that intention, I think would have made me, would have put me there anyways. Um, and it was like just what I needed at the right time, because not only was there like the good ideas and there's some really powerful phrases, but there's also like tools and the, like the compass activity and like all the different thinking routine. Like there's things that aren't just like, hey, we should have more inquiry because it's good for kids. It's also like, yeah, and here's how to do it. And in this case with leaders, it's that it's that conversation that happens, I'm gonna say behind the scenes in order for the classroom to to be able to embrace inquiry. Like, you know, just like you said, you gotta have that that leader that allows it to exist. Um, and so many times emphasis is placed on what to do in the classroom. Yeah. And well, it burns yeah. out. It, it doesn't sustain. Right. And I asked you about your intention because there's several um, moments throughout the book that I asked the reader to consider their intention. Now, whether or not they do it, I don't know. But the the reasoning behind that or the thinking behind that is we learn um, in the process of learning, not in the end product, right? And so that perhaps is maybe the missed mark of some of these other things that you're hearing or things that you've read. Um, the learning happens not at the end, but it's the process of. And so, you know, with STEM and STEAM, um, yes, the activity is like really cool and like, you know, kind of jaw dropping or some amazing things can come of it. But really, um, the process of learning is really what fascinates me, which is why um, I'm so drawn to inquiry because it's a process and it's a messy process. But that's where like the real learning happens. It doesn't just happen in the taking action set. A portion of a cycle, it's throughout, um, you know, all the different stages of a cycle. And we ebb and flow through those stages at different intervals and at different lengths. Um, and so I guess um, that is really what I wanted to um, have my readers experience while they were reading the book. It's how I engage in learning with adult learners um, in the work that I do at my campus and outside. Um, and so that to me is what's really grounding. That's the thing that when I get stuck or things feel super messy or I don't know where we're going is utilizing that structure to me is, a, is grounding as an educator and as a, a facilitator of inquiry is if I really stop and I consider where is it that we're in the learning and then that helps inform what it is that I know that I need to do. If I know that we're in this finding out stage or sorting stage rather that's usually kind of the messier part. Um, my learners are, are quite confused or there's maybe some misconceptions that are coming up. Then I know I can go back to finding out and lift that up and say, hey, you know what? I've noticed that some of you are sharing fill in the blank, or I noticed that some of you have um, observed fill in the blank, and I could lift those up, honoring their voice, showing that I'm looking and observing and noticing things about their learning, but then using that as my direct instruction time of talking about something. And so, um, you know, the ebb and flow of that cycle to me is really powerful. And although when I first stepped into the world of inquiry at an IB school, I was very confused because it was a lot of new things. And like you said, it's a lot of unlearning. Um, that's the thing that continues to anchor me. And that's the thing that I will often suggest leaders to consider using as a framework to guide the movements or the learning that they want to do in their classroom or in their campus, because then it helps us make sense of what it is that we want to do and to go back to the concept of an intention. If we know what our intention is, not what 
happens because of it. But if we know what our intention is first, then we're able to really be a little bit smarter with the steps that we take or the time that we're spending. Just being respectful of your time here. I mean, I, I would, I, I could probably just berserk questions at you nonstop here. Um, but, you know, as, as we think about next steps, we think about someone that is listening to this and is trying to figure out how to be more intentional with inquiry. The things that I tend to see is like, there's like these invisible rules we self-impose, whether those are things that get handed down through hallway conversations or things that have, way things have been. Um, but if you really kind of peel back the layers, some of the constraints just simply aren't constraints. They're, you know, and, and some of that is either just through, because of, like I said, tradition, some of it might be our own fear. And so we build in barriers. We do this, not just in a professional, we do it in our personal lives. We, we watch kids do all the things, you know, so as we're thinking through that, like how, if, if someone's like, man, I really want to get into this or I want to Im improve my, my inquiry practice, but they know that maybe they're stuck. Um, and I'm not talking stuck like they have, they're in a building that's so structured or, you know, I mean, not those types of things, but like the mental maybe blocks or things that happen. Like, where do you go to start to give yourself permission? And maybe not go to like a place, but like, I feel like you have such great question stems. You've posed a lot here, the pause and reflect, like, how do we start to think through this. I don't, now I kind of feel like I'm in a therapy session. Please tell me, how, how do I become a better person? No, but I think, you know what I mean? But it's a it's a common, I, I, you see it happen. You, you watch people grapple with it. Like, oh yes, yes, it's so good. It's so good. And then there's a freeze and it doesn't happen. And you come back around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they really want to. It's just, they, it doesn't. And how do you overcome that? Like, how do you, or not overcome it? Because I think there's, how do you start to to move yourself to be able to overcome that? entry points. But as you were um, sharing, the first thing that I thought of was start with your learners. What are your learners telling you? Um, and if you're not asking, then that's a place to start. And then once they're telling you, then listen and lean in and ask more questions. You know, it could be simple, something as simple as what is it that you're curious to explore and how do you want to grow as a professional this year? And even if it's not the things that you want them to do, lift up those things and just start there. Or could you infuse what you know you have as a vision to grow as a campus or as a in your classroom? Um, how can you infuse some of that within those sessions? So start with your learners and what are your learners telling you? Because you might be surprised of what they share and those might already align with the things that you value as a school. If those teachers are at your school, hopefully they believe in the mission and the vision of your school. Um, and if not, that's okay. Maybe they're not there yet because they just don't know. It might be a knowledge or a skill gap perhaps, but ask your learners. And then, you know, again, you're modeling the model. They're co-constructing what your PD plan could look like or what your next session is going to look like when you're together at, at some you know, extended planning perhaps. Um, and that to me is an easy way for us to inch forward. Of course, when we ask our learners, we actually have to want to listen to the things that they share. And listening is a skill that I've not written a book about. <laughs> um, there are a lot of books about listening, but um, when you do listen, 
listen with curiosity and be open-minded just as your intention was for, for reading the book of what it is that they're going to share and just really lean in and consider what that might look like for you moving forward. Um, you know, I, will always say that there are never enough questions. Um, and I love the power that questions have for us as leaders. But also if we ask a question and we're not actually listening, then the questions really are a moot point. The same way if we have an amazing provocation, but we don't give space for our learners to make meaning with a thinking routine or some sort of collaborative structure, it's another moot point or just another worksheet. So how can we really... Um, be intentional about listening and open-minded about what um, we just might hear. And um, I think in that small move, even if it might feel scary, it shows your learners what you value. It shows that you value them. You value their voice. You value their ideas. Um, as long as you do something with them. Now, if you ask and then you do nothing with it, then that's something different. But um I guess it's a two-step, um, first step, if you will, Aaron. Right. No, I love it. I love it. You know, and as we, we come here to a conclusion is, you know, I think by giving that space for questions and ideas to be heard and then the space to be able to act upon those, um, time is always of the essence. And just in the few projects that I've been doing with educators and trying to figure out how to bring more of this into the landscape, we find time and time again, we actually can still meet all the mandates of the day. And yet we go even further and deeper into the work, but the fear is always, there's not enough time for that. And actually there is, because once you feel heard, seen, once you feel valued, and once you are part of the co-construction where the learning is going to be, there's, there's co there's, there's always const creative constraints. And in our case, it's going to be the standards and some of those things. But they will they'll knock it out of the park because they own it. They own the learning. And, and, and they, in this case, can be the students in the classrooms. They can be the teachers of your building that you lead. It can be the principals that lead your schools as a district, lead, as a district leader. I mean, so it, it, it goes all the way up and down the scale. And so I just really appreciate your insights. And this has been... I feel really, really grateful to have this chance to be able to to talk with you uh, and 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 meet you virtually, and as well as share these ideas with with everybody else. And so, as we come to a close here, um, are there any final thoughts or things that you want to share that you didn't get a chance to? And we'll put all the stuff in the show notes. But if people want to reach out and 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 learn more about your work, I'll put a link to the book and all your stuff in the show notes. But for those listening to, they might want to follow when the when the lights on red, not on green, uh, you know, and, 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 and start to learn more from you. I guess a question that I will would end with before I share where people can find me. And of course I have to end with a question is, um, you know, what's the worst that could happen if you tried it. Right. And, uh, what's the best thing that could happen too. So, um, I'll leave perhaps those questions, uh, for your listeners to ponder and think about, um, and after this episode is over, um, they can find me, um, on Instagram and also on Twitter, um, Jess underscore Vance edu. I'm really active on Instagram and share my story, my leadership story, my learner stories. Um, and so I really love to utilize that space as a creative space to share what's happening. 
And um, leadingwithinquiry.com is where you can find other resources that I've created and shared. Um, people can download sketch notes, obviously contact me to connect with them further in their schools and their own inquiry journey. So it's been fantastic to connect with you, a reader, um, one of my learners. It does not get old when people say that they read my book. I even have teary eyes because it's just something super special that I never knew what would happen. And um, yeah, I feel super grateful to be here. So thank you so much. Yeah, I, I greatly appreciate it. And I appreciate you sharing the, the ideas and the hard work with, with all of us so we can all continue to ask our own questions. And I think the two questions yeah. you posed there at the end are, are, are perfect ones for us to uh, pause and think on as we wrap up this episode. So thank you so much for your time. Yes, thank you. Hey, 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 up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Chaos.